0: To be back. I'm glad y'all are back. And uh, it's been quite a week. Uh, (laughs) As many of you know, I was in Israel um, not too long ago with Jan and and Marilyn and uh, uh, Charlie Sousa. Charlie didn't come back to Florida, he just stayed up north. Um, And we started hearing about this storm and it was coming, and we got into New York last Friday early in the morning, and we got out of New York that afternoon, last plane going to Orlando where our car was, and we got back here about 8 o'clock Friday night, just in time to get things ready for the storm. I want to thank uh, my wife and Elijah and Gretchen and all those who prepared here. We were in, we were really in great shape at the church. They had got everything out. We were prepared for the storm, prepared for the aftermath. And uh, God really blessed, he, he allowed us to, uh, first he, he, he moved that hurricane where we didn't get the brunt of it. Um, those of you who went through Charlie, I know you were just <laughs> like, oh no. And uh, those of you who haven't ever been through a hurricane, you may have been a bit nervous. Um, if you're from Miami and you went through Andrew, or the aftermath of Andrew, you're, you know what these things are like and you can get a little little squirrely. Um, praise the Lord, we didn't get the bad. God spared us the worst. Do please, please do pray for folks down in the Keys. Um, Dave Cavender, um, his son lives on a Little Torch. Um, he's stuck up here right now. Hopefully, they'll open the roads. Maybe the water will go down at their house to get out, and um, uh, they have to go back and rebuild. So uh, now we have people here who are going to be suffering some too. Not so much from wind damage, but from flooding as the rivers and waters all rise. But uh, praise God um, that it's not worse than it it is. We're really blessed. Um, as our church goes, we were honored to be able to uh, act as a shelter. got a call Saturday afternoon late that the county was running out of places to put people and I wanted know if they could use our facility. So they sent the fire department and um, they checked out our building. This building's not hurricane-proof, so this isn't this side of it's not real good. But the MPP building, where our Fellowship Hall and Kitchen are, that is hurricane-resistant. So we had about 35 people. Before the fire department even got out, they were bringing people in here by ambulance. And uh, we had about 35 fo- folks here. Um, they rode out the storm. We had several people who just worked so hard. Um, the catapains and... Phyllis and Beverly and Carrie and several folks of our, our, uh, of our people, um, uh, Andy and his mom were helpful and they took care of the folks that God, God brought here and uh, we were a blessing and about Tuesday they got to go home and we've been recovering ever since. So uh, praise the Lord, we were able to be a blessing. Okay, good enough on the storm side. Let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 10. Um, a lot of people have asked how our trip went. It was an amazing trip. Anytime you go to the Holy Land, it's an amazing trip. So I thought I might start sharing some things with you about our trip. And uh, so today we're going to talk about some, some things uh, uh, centering around the city of Joppa. But let me tell you about the ride over first. You know, usually when you ride an airplane, aisle seat's a good deal. It was not a good deal on this trip. As we were flying over, we flew El Al, and uh, if you've ever felt flown El Al, um, it's an interesting prospect just to get on the airplane. They Security people take you, and they start asking you questions, and they have no humor at all. And, and, and if you try to have a little bit of humor, they shut that down real quick, and they ask you all sorts of questions trying to trip you up, but knowing that, they keep you safe. We got on this plane, a 747 bound to Tel Aviv, and there's 200 teenagers on this thing. They're all going to Israel to study for a year. And you know, as soon as the seatbelt sign went off, these kids were up. They were going back and forth. The girls were checking out the guys. The guys were checking out the girls. They were figuring out what's going to happen this year in Israel. And anybody else, you were not going to sleep. And then as you were flying across, about the time everybody settles down and is about to go to sleep, you fly into daylight. Then all the Orthodox Jewish folks, they get up and they put on their phylacteries and they, put on their, they get their prayer shawls and they all run to the back of the plane and start praying. Nobody slept going over. It was, it was an amazing thing. So we got there and um, it was a little bit early to go to the hotel Um, they tell you don't go to sleep. Stay awake as long as you can because your body's got to change. It's seven hours difference. There's seven hours ahead of us over there. So instead of taking us to the the next town, which is called Natanya, where we spent the night, they decided we'd get a little extra tour and go to Joppa. How many of you guys know anything about Joppa? Ah, let me tell you a little bit about Joppa. Joppa is one of the oldest cities Ever. Uh, it's the oldest seaport in Israel, um, dating back to about 1900 BC. They first started hearing uh, and seeing some some uh, references to it. it. It's the place that uh, the Greek legend of Perseus and Andromeda, you know, I don't know if you're a Greek fans, Andromeda's chained to a pole and Perseus comes and helps her. And it, it happened in Joppa, or as they call it today, Jaffa. And not only that, it, it, it's the place where um, uh, it, where Solomon brought in the, the cedars of Lebanon. They floated them down from Lebanon and it came to the port of Joppa. And then he took them over by land to Jerusalem to build the temple. It was part of the, the, the tribe of Dan's inheritance. And it's also where Jonah tried to run away from God. He caught the boat in Joppa going to Tarshish. And I've tried to figure out where Tarshish is it, There's all sorts of things. I think a lot of scholars think it was Spain. But he was getting out of town, and that's where he went. And it's also a place where uh, um, Peter hung out. He lived in a house, Simon the Tanner's house, and and, uh, while he was in uh, Joppa, he raised Dorcas from the dead. And another thing happened to Peter there, and that's what's going to happen in Acts 10. Peter had a vision. As interesting as I was studying... um, How many of y'all remember what Peter's real name was? Remember Simon what? No? Peter didn't come until Matthew chapter 16. Simon bar Jonah. There you go. Simon the son of Jonah. This thought was kind of interesting. We got Simon the son of Jonah and we got Jonah the prophet both living in Joppa and both getting something told to them. Let me read you what happened to the first Jonah. Jonah 1 says this, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. He was. (laughs) uh, They were. Not only did Simon Peter. He has the same name as Jonah. Son of Jonah. He's part of the family. of His father's name was Jonah. But. Jonah was asked to go to. The Gentiles. And preach. And in Acts chapter 10. We see that Peter has a. Vision, verses 9 to 14. I'm not going to read it all. Peter's tired. He's up on the roof. He's sleeping, and he has this vision, and God lets down this sheet with all sorts of creatures. And there's all sorts of things there, and God tells Peter, arise, slay, and eat. You know what Peter says? (laughs) No, no, no. I don't touch anything that's unclean. I'm a Jew. I don't touch that unclean stuff. happened three times. There's something about Peter in three times that just keeps coming up and coming up. That's another great study. But he, and and finally the Lord just says, what I have made clean, don't you call common. God was preparing Peter to go to the Gentiles. You see, both Jonah and Peter, were commanded to go to the Gentiles, they were commanded to go to people that were just not who they're used to going to. In fact, there were people they didn't even like. Now, that city of Nineveh, I understand why Jonah didn't like it. It was capital of the Assyrian Empire, and I'm giving you a lot of history real quick, but it, it really will help you see something. The Assyrian Empire and Nineveh, was, Nineveh is actually located near where modern-day Mosul in Iraq is. You hear about that in the news all the time. Always been problems there. The city was founded by a guy named Nimrod who built the Tower of Babel, which is by Babylon, which still we have today. And uh, Nineveh was the seat of the Assyrian Empire and they were giving Israel all sorts of problems and Jonah knew that they were going to one day destroy uh, Israel. It's a huge city. It took three days to walk across it. And Jonah didn't want to go. He wanted those people to perish. God, go ahead and kill all those people. Now, Acts chapter 10, the first part of it, we see that there's a guy named Cornelius, and he is a centurion in the Roman army. Centurion is a man who's in command of 100 people, and he is a leader. He had had a different hat than everybody else, and he is a leader, but the Bible says he's a devout man that fears the Lord, And he has a vision to call and get Peter from Joppa to come tell him what God wanted to tell him. But Peter doesn't want to go to the. Peter's a Jew. He doesn't want to go talk to Gentiles, especially a Roman soldier. The Jews hated Rome. They hated them with a passion. There was revolts going on all around. I don't want to go talk to some unclean Roman dog. Here's the thing. The Assyrians were hated, the Romans were hated, yet God sent his men to preach to them. You think, okay, great. I'm glad he did that. What about me? What does that have to do with me? (sighs) Well, it has a lot to do with us. Jesus told us in Mark 16 15, he said, Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that includes the people you like, and that includes the people you don't like. That includes the rich people. That includes the poor people. I'll never forget the last church I pastored up in Lake Mary. I love those folks. But it was in a very upscale neighborhood, and they just said, well, you know those rich people, they don't want to come to church. They had a real problem with rich people. And you know what rich is? Anybody has more money than you. So if you got about $3 in your pocket, you're rich to me. (laughs) Poor, rich, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter. Okay, I'm going to meddle a little bit. It doesn't matter what political affiliation you are. It doesn't matter about your politics. We are commanded to go to everyone. All those people that we tend to not like, maybe even despise a bit, we're commanded to go to. There's some reasons why that God does that to us. And by the way, if we're ever going to be obedient to Jesus, we've got to overcome our bias. We've got to put that bigotry, we've got to put that, that, all that mess aside be obedient to Christ to get the gospel out. Here's the reason. You notice there's not an outline on the back. You'll have to take notes today. Number one, we have to be obedient and set aside our bias because God is no respecter of persons. Acts 10, verse 34 and 35 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Verse 28 and 29 says, And he said unto them, Ye know that it is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto the other nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. I ask, therefore, what intent you have sent for me. Peter realizes that God's not a respecter of persons, and that the last two verses I read is actually before he said that. God had prepared Peter with three times lowering that sheet and and understanding that something's not unclean, and then these men show show up at the door asking for him, and, and he goes, and he's trying to figure these things out, what God's trying to do. And he figures out that God is not worried about where you're from. Last verse of Jonah says, shouldn't I take care of these thousands of people that they not perish? We'll read that a little bit later. Here's the thing. God wants us to reach everyone. It was interesting who was here during the storm. We had our church folks here, and then the people that showed up, um, there was a 96-year-old man. They bought him in. He didn't want to be anywhere but back home in Englewood, uh, but he ended up staying here. There was a couple. um, She suffered from dementia, and I don't think he was too far behind. Uh, There were about six people who were just flat homeless. We had a real variety of folks in here. And you know what? We are to minister to every one of them. Every one of them. No, that's hard, but God loves every one of them. We were in Bahamas earlier in the summer. By the way, they came through okay. But in Saint Martin, uh, where some of the ministry that our missionary uh, does, that that place is wiped out, and the church, the church down there, and the people they've been ministering to are really struggling. Pray for those people in the Caribbean. That they, they've really suffered. I don't know, we didn't see a white person for four days other than each other. That's not a problem. God wants us to minister to people that look different than us. God wants us to look and minister to people who dress different than us. God wants us to look and minister to people who Speak differently than we do. He wants us to look and to minister to everyone. Because they're all his creation. And he loves all people. God's not a respecter of persons. Not only that, think about the transformation that Christ produces. I want to go back to Jonah a little bit. Jonah went ahead after he had his encounter with the fish. God told him to go to Nineveh again, and he did. I think he grumbled the whole time, but he preached He preached like he was supposed to preach. And then in in chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, For the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and set in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn from his fierce anger that we perish not? Those people in Nineveh, when they heard the preaching, the king rent his clothes, he, he repented, and he decreed, and the whole town repented. There was a transformation that happened. Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, the Jewish people, were um, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. God, Jesus transformed those Gentiles and gave signs so the Jews could understand that, that it's okay, that Gentiles can get saved. And praise the Lord, because I'm Gentile, and I'm, because of that, I'm saved today. I, you know, Peter's hard-headed, and he probably didn't have, didn't have a real good um, memory But in Mark chapter 5, he was with Jesus when Jesus left Capernaum or Magdala somewhere there on that northern edge of the Sea of Galilee, and went to the other side. Now, the other side is geographically the other side of the lake, but it is also to an area called Decapolis, which was all Gentile. And where he met that guy, he met this real strange Gentile guy who was possessed with what? Demons, hundreds of them. Guy was running around naked in the tombs and cutting himself, and he was just a wild man. And he comes across Jesus. Jesus cast out the, the, the demons into the pigs, and the pigs go running off. By the way, I heard preachers go, what were those Jews doing raising pigs? Jews weren't raising pigs. It was a Gentile area. Those Gentiles lost some pigs that day. Then Jesus told that man when he came to his senses and cast him out, he said, no, you can't come follow me now, but you go tell everybody what God has done for you. See, if Peter had remembered, Jesus was already working with Gentiles even before he went to the cross. The woman at the well, a woman uh, whose uh, issue of blood, several things happened. But you see, when Christ comes, a great, a great transformation is produced. And because of that, we need to set aside our bias. I used to tell people, you want people to vote right? Well, get them saved and get them studying their Bible, and that has a tendency to change your politics some. Let's just set aside the politics. Let's let God transform people and let's follow him. Jesus will transform us. Not only that, well let's just stop with that a minute. You're going, okay I got that. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get rid of all this bias I have? Get rid of the, how am I supposed to go to that person I just don't like? Let me give you a couple things. A couple thoughts. and We'll uh, see if we can't put those to practice in our life. First thing Let's develop a fear of the Lord. You know, Proverbs talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Acts 10, 2 talks about Cornelius. It says, a devout man, one that, that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Here's a man who feared God, didn't even know who God was, but he was praying and he was feared him and he wanted to know him. He cared. Jonah, it says that Jonah feared the Lord. We know that Peter feared the Lord. And here's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is, is when we live in a continual awareness that you're in the presence of a holy, a just, an almighty God and that every word, thought, deed, and action is open and being judged by him. It's understanding it. You know, he knows it all. He knows your heart. He knows everything. You, we just don't live in that awareness most of the time. We need to be in that awareness. Here, here's another way of looking at it. it. It's living as though God's smile is your greatest delight. And God's frown is your greatest dread. You see, if we fear God, then we will want to be obedient to him. And then we, in our desire to be obedient, and from our fear of the Lord, we will set aside our bias. Now, let me tell you, hopefully you're not going to be difficult like Jonah. Jonah didn't want to do that. And what happened to Jonah? God brought a little chastisement into his life. In fact, Jonah's disobedience was causing a whole bunch of people on that boat to be in peril. That's a little thing. Just think, your disobedience causes people all around you to be in peril. Side thought. But Jonah, God had to chastise him a little bit. And by the way, if you get chastised of the Lord, thank him. That means you know him and that he loves you because he wants to correct you and to discipline you and to bring you up to be more obedient to him so he can bless even more. You see, we have to develop the fear of the Lord and we'll be able to set aside all of our biases. Secondly, if we're going to set aside our biases, if we're going to be obedient to God, we have to focus on the gospel. Let's read together Acts chapter 10 starting at verse 34. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth And said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. And God raised him up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge of of the quick and the dead, and to give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. That was quite a sermon pre- Peter preached in those little verses. He told us all about it. You see, it started in the Old Testament. God had a plan of salvation for everyone, and He, the prophets pro, uh, prophesied and, and spoke of Jesus to come, of the coming Messiah, the one who would save the world from their sins. Peter witnessed it. Peter witnessed Jesus after his baptism in the Jordan. We uh, went to the the site where more than likely within a short little distance where John baptized. It's uh, um, across from the town of Jericho and it's not a really great place. Uh, The water's not real good there right now. Um, We did do some baptizing in the Jordan farther north and uh, we'll talk about that later. But Jesus was baptized there and following that baptism Jesus started his ministry with those 40 days of being tempted and then he went to the northern Galilee to this little tiny area and this little tiny area he ministered and he preached and he did miracles and he Turned water to wine. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He did all this in this little area. He changed the world. And when the time came, he went to Jerusalem to be our sacrifice. He laid down his life for us to take away our sins. They buried him. And on the third day, he rose again and he commanded his followers to go and tell everybody what they had seen. What they have experienced. The gospel. You see, when we focus on that message, that's for all people. When you're focused on getting that message out, it helps all people. It transforms all people. It, it brings life to all people. Our sins are forgiven. We have transformed life. We have eternal life. And it doesn't matter what you look like. doesn't matter how tall, how short, how slim, how stout. Yeah, I think I gained weight over there. You know, I should have just, they have salad for breakfast over there. I should have just ate salad every morning. I didn't, they have all sorts of other goodies too. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I hear you guys were uh, laughing a little bit about my pictures of food. (laughs) Listen, when we focus on the gospel, it crosses all barriers, it's for all people. And it's real easy then to set aside all those biases that we may have. Lastly, this morning, We can set aside those biases. We can can be obedient to God when we rejoice in the salvation of the despised. You know, Jonah, he's just a cranky old guy. He was a cranky prophet. You know, he went through, he preached great messages, everybody repented, and all it did was make him mad. Seriously. You don't believe me? Listen to this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and a merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Okay, let me put that into modern language. God, I know you're good and merciful, and, and, and I didn't want to go preach to these guys because they're going to repent, and you're going to have mercy on them. And, and you know what? I'm ticked off. Why don't you just kill me? Please just kill me. That was a happy preacher, wasn't it? He, I don't think he was rejoicing too much in the, that those people had responded to the message. We read the verses in, in Acts 10, verse 45 to 48, where, where all of a sudden these Gentiles are, are speaking in tongues and they are, they are manifesting the, the signs of the Holy Spirit that they have been saved and that God has, has put them into the family. And then Peter goes and says this, in verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. I think Peter was pretty happy about it. We met a man over there in Israel. His name is Tom. Tom is a recent convert to Christ. He's a Jewish man. He works in security uh, in the Golan Heights for a kibbutz. I'll tell you what a kibbutz is It's sometime. And this specific kibbutz raises apples. They got beautiful apples. We were hanging out in the apple orchard. Did I send pictures of that? See, my picture guy is, is still up north. He's coming back, and, and whenever he gets back, um, I, I texted yesterday, hey, can you send me some pictures? Well, they're in my camera, and we're on the road, and I don't have a can. Okay, we'll get the pictures next week. But we we're in this apple orchard eating fresh apples off the tree. I've never done that before. I've done oranges, and but not apples. And um, he goes, you see that right over there? About 300 yards. Yeah. That's Syria. What Tom does is he works intelligence and combines with the, the Israeli army to... The people taking care of the alpha orchard safe so well, I don't know if you know right now there's this little thing called a war going on in Syria and, and it's Syria government and then there's people like Isis and there's just there's several different groups all fighting each other the Shia and the Sunni and the, they're just all fighting each other we were out one day and we heard them boom booming real close it was interesting But Tom works with the the Golan Heights military, and another guy that works with them, a guy from Orlando and and a guy that was leading us, uh, has a ministry into the soldiers in the Golan Heights. We got to meet several. Um, God has opened a very unique door in that this man, these two men, are able to go in, and sit down with Israeli military and share their testimony. And uh, we're going to hear more about that in March when I have them here for our mission conference. But we got to meet Tom, who is a recent convert. And we got to rejoice. By the way, he took us to lunch, too. It was a pretty good lunch. There was steak and kebabs, and I don't know. It just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. It was an amazing thing. You know, I'm back to the food thing. you see when we start rejoicing in the salvation of those people who are despised those people who are different though we rejoice that they have received Christ and are being transformed we can be just like the uh, just like the angels this says there is there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. we can rejoice the salvation and when you rejoice in the salvation you become colorblind you don't care if they're rich or poor you don't care how they're dressed you're rejoicing because they have become part of the family of God she's preaching it listen listen God said this, Jonah 4.11. Kind of talking to Jonah because he's ticked off because uh, they, uh, he's not rejoicing. But God said this. And should I not, not spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand, more than 120,000 people that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. You see, there's more than 120,000 people right around us that they don't know their right from their left. They can't see. They're in darkness. They look different than us. They act different than us. They are different than us. But they need the same message that we, have. the same message that saved us, we are to take to them. set aside that bias. Let's go tell everybody about Jesus Christ. Let's not go to Joppa and catch a boat. Let's not go to Joppa and have to have a vision. The word's here. Let's just go and love on those people who are out there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Father, the more we study the word, we see so many things. Two Jonas, both sent to Gentiles. One never rejoiced, one did. Father, help us to set aside our bias, our prejudice. Lord, help us not to look on people in disdain. But Lord, help us to see them as you see them. People who are lost and need to know about your love, your mercy, and how they can be forgiven. Lord, may we lift Jesus Christ up everywhere we go. Lord, may we see those transformed lives, and Lord, may we rejoice in those who receive you. Father, if there's any needs here this morning, you know how you're working at hearts. Lord, may the day. There's people who have biases. Lord, help them just to set those aside. Or Lord, maybe if they can't set them aside, help them, Lord, to lift you up above them and focus on you. We praise you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.